What up, everybody? Welcome to another live stream of Alternative Blacks Podcast. This is our IG Live series. So if it's your first time joining us, we have gone back to a regular format where every other week we drop an episode. But now we do in between every one of those episodes. We're going live. It will be only available here on Instagram Live. So that's going to be kind of special for uh, what we do normally. So it's a little more, uh, less research, more off the top of our head kind of conversation that we are having. Um, and honestly, sometimes it just ends up being like a little bit of a therapy session for us. And that's pretty much what it's going to be tonight. Before I go any further with that and before Chris gets in here, I do want to say uh, I want to give a shout out to Oak Brook Brewing Company, uh, being a day one supporter of the podcast and really believing in our vision. Uh, you could also support us on Patreon. Uh, the link is in the bio on the link tree. If you're interested in helping out in any way, you can hit us up there or you can hit us up in the DMs. But I think Chris is about to come in. So we'll start having a conversation about what's been going on lately in the world and how we are dealing with that. What up, Chris? What's up, man? How are you, how you doing? You know, uh, whew, I'm doing It's It's been a wild ride. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm right with you on that at this point. So I need to get beered up here. Yeah, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Black is Beautiful, or out of Black is Beautiful. I wish I was drinking Black is Beautiful. You get another Black is Beautiful without me? I'm a little hurt. Yeah, it was definitely a tactical error not to get a crowler of the stuff from Virginia Beach to bring back, but... I was like, I don't want to carry this can around and probably, you know, unrefrigerated for hours. But uh, I'm drinking a higher plane IPA. It's a Voodoo Ranger. Okay. You love your Voodoo Rangers. Every time I see a new one, I got to try it because, you know, it's delicious. Right. So, right. you know, I, I literally, I, I had to go into work today um, and... I was in the I was in the office today. Rather, I I, I work every day, but um, but I stopped at Sheets on the way home, and I popped into the beer fridge. Nice. So see, uh, that's where they had it. Black beer experience in the comment uh, asked how many we uh, black and beautiful we had. If we want some Nashville, ones. we definitely want some Nashville ones. We don't have any to send down to you at the moment that uh, to kind of do that share, but we would appreciate some, and we'll send you down some of our favorite stuff from the Reading area. The 1985 um, is fire, by the way. Absolutely. And uh, we've had how many Black and Beautifuls? Three now, because we've had the Oak, uh, the Oak Park Brewing Company one. We had Oak Park. the uh, Evergreen Harris Family and um, Lone Wolf collaboration, and then we had Licking Hole Camp. Right, and then uh, I had one down in Virginia Beach. You know what I should have been doing, but I should have been like searching for some while I was in like Nantucket or New Hampshire. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of black-owned stuff out there. Well, there is a black-owned brewery out in Connecticut, so yeah. Um, but uh, the fourth that I've had was from Smart Mouth Brewing out of Virginia Beach. Nice. Uh, they had it on they had it on tap, and theirs was a uh, chocolate marshmallow. Uh, stout, imperial stout, so uh, high up on the ABV again, right around that 10 mark, um, but it, it was good. 
That sounds refreshing. That sounds really good. Uh, Black Beer Experience, we will set something up. We'll get you our uh, address, and we'll get your address as well in the DM so we can set something up. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I think there's – we'll figure out what you like in particular, and we'll we'll collect our favorites from the area for you. Um, and for anybody Definitely. else that wants to do that, we'll, we're always down to, to go back and forth with some beers. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. So, allegedly, I am drinking a new kicking knowledge. I found another kicking knowledge. Didn't we have the one that was just a complete disappointment? I think it was one, because overall, I think I really like this series. And I am drinking a pink guava kicking knowledge. So, it's a milkshake IPA with pink guava, vanilla, and coconut, lactose, and hops with uh, muteca, mosaic, and citra hops. Muteca. Uh, yeah, that was my attempt on it. Moteca, Motuica. I know word hey. things, so that's why we're here. Hey, you're, you're probably right. Oh, uh, by the way, this this higher plane IPA Voodoo Ranger is a hazy. Of course. No. <laughs> you see, it's hazy. You see it? It's hazy. You can't see my finger on the other side of the glass. Okay, T4, uh, T4, 11 just jumped in, and I forget, I'm sorry, their actual name, but uh, I I just shared one of their posts, and it's a funny story, because it's this little kid that ha is, like, out of a convertible, I think, in New York City with his hand raised in the air, like a black power fist, and I, had, when I first saw that picture, I had shared it on my personal page on the timeline, and it actually ended up being a friend of a friend's nephew and they were really? they just happened to be coming back from like the airport and they weren't part of the uh, protest and he saw everything and just jumped out of the the top so that was pretty cool i like it uh, yeah so I, I had to share that story i had that hop recently and couldn't pronounce it yeah i, I have no clue what that what the name of like how to pronounce that hop but it's enjoyable but speaking of black lives matter and everything like that we have to we have to talk about jacob blake because um, for, for me, I kind of had this conversation with Chris earlier. This is sort of like a therapy session for us in a way, because we need to be able to unpack these things and, and have a conversation around it, um, because of the trauma and because of the uh, actual hurt and feelings and everything associated around what happens over and over again to black people and the black community and how that just ripples. Um, so I guess we just kind of got to get, get into it. I think I was a couple days late in finding out because this happened Sunday. Yeah, it happened Sunday and I'm, I'm with you on that. Sunday I was traveling. Sunday I was leaving Philly to go up to New Hampshire and on the way up to New Hampshire, the car broke down. Surprisingly, it wasn't my Jeep. Um, so the car I was in broke down or had a problem. We had to go to like a station and then somebody had to come in get us take us where we were at we left at 10 in the morning it was supposed to be like a six hour drive we got to our destination at 10 at night oh oh my goodness yeah uh. so and then where we're at we're at this lake house in new hampshire and i'm not getting any service like so it just i i didn't what? learn about it until i finally got onto twitter two days later and Coincidentally enough, that's the only day we did a uh, high and low game at the dinner table where it was just like, say something like that's the low point of your day and the high point of your day. And I was like, 
Well, if we're being honest, I just watched another black guy get shot. So that was pretty much a low for me. Yeah. Um, and when I first heard of it, because I was traveling all day Saturday and then Sunday was like a recoup day and like cleaning the apartment and things like that. So I really wasn't on my phone much. Um, and then trying to get back into the work week. I'm not a huge social media person at this. Um, so it took me a little while to, to hear about it. Um, and I can't remember where I heard it, where I heard of it first. Um, it might have been uh, when I make a new tab on my work computer, it just pops up with a bunch of news feed stuff. Right. So uh, random news feed stuff. And I think that's where I first uh, saw it. And it was actually referencing the ongoing protests. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually it was, it was actually referencing the second video that came out that showed the other side of it where they're, you know, they're piling on him and he, uh, he like gets up and goes around and they like casually are walking behind him. And so he opens the door and now all of a sudden it's a crisis and to shoot someone in the back seven times like that unarmed. It's like, it's ridiculous. I, it, and then, to but go, you know, once, yeah, go, go ahead. Well, then to go further than that. And then in the midst of the protest to have the 17 year old who murdered, well, shoots two, shoots three people, murders two people. Um, and then have yeah. him with his gun, pants up, oh my God. officers. And now it's apparently like an okay situation and manageable. So, uh, there was just a lot to really unpack. I guess we kind of have to talk about, for the people that don't know what happened, got to talk about the situation uh, in totality. When I heard about it, the story was that Jacob Blake was there to break up a fight, and then the officers arrived on the scene, and then the incident occurred, and they sh- shot this guy in the back, and that's what I saw. And... Uh, Apparently now what I'm getting from the police accounts that I've been looking at is saying that they were coming for because the cops were called about him. Um, again, this is like really hard because obviously I'm not there. I have no clue what's going on. So I'm just like the speculation that's going out over this. So now it's uh, in response to him. But I still don't see even from the video that I watched from these videos that I watched how uh, the force like the use of deadly force is even something that needed to be done there, especially in the way it was, because even if what happened was what is now being said in terms of him having a knife, there's there's so much that hasn't been done that even requires that type of force. There's so many other things that could have been done to deescalate the situation. And it just, it's frustrating. And again, what we see is when they're having these conversations about Jacob Blake, it is not about how poorly handled the situation was. They're doing everything they can to bring Jacob Blake down at, well, no, exactly. I'm never going to understand a lot of this. And I don't know if there's ever going to be this, seven, why seven shots? Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. That doesn't make any sense. Is How come it needed to be seven? Like one shot pretty much did it. Like the, the fact that it was bop, 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 bop is completely Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. It's crazy. And to me, it's what's nuts is like, how do you go from and and like uh, Blackbeard experience said that you're never going to understand it because there's no logical way in 
or justifiable way that it should have been that, 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 that should have happened because how do you go from allowing him go, to go around to the front of the, to the other side of the car very casually. It's not like he ran over there. Like he casually walked around the front of the car very calmly, very casually. So were you terrified for your life then? How about, after he opened the car door and you're still casually walking behind him, you were terrified then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it turns into seven shots. Like I, like I would, I wouldn't have even been mad as mad. Oh, well, obviously if like they didn't even tase him or do anything like that in that situation. So you can't say there was an escalation to get to shooting. Like there's no justify, there's no bullshit they could come up with for, for this in my mind. But then again, there's no bullshit you could come up with for any of these situations. And but, like, Blackbeard experience just said, anytime we admit to having a legal weapon, our threat level goes to 100. And that, that's exactly true. We've seen the aftermath of the videos of somebody who said, hey, I have a weapon here. Um, it, it's just, it's 100% uncomprehendable. I, I can't get the fact that this continues to happen and continues to be recorded and put out in front of the general public and there is still even uh non-positional force or like difference of opinion in the fact that there is uh something that is inherently wrong it, it is undeniably a problem and yet we won't really discuss it or we not even discuss it we've discussed it over and over again we won't actually make some changes and I think this is the other part of the conversation I wanted to bring up. And it's still a little early. Right. Um, and it's still early to bring this, uh, bring this up in tonight's conversation. But let's look at the sports world and what they've been doing in response to this. Because this is, I think, we're already talking about um, Corona. We're already dealing with this situation. And to kind of sweep a lot of things under the rug, especially with the George Floyd uh, incident. It seemed like the the time where they decided to go forward with bringing back a lot of these sports was at a time when the nation was at a peak of unrest. And it could be argued that doing so was a way to take away from that uh, that focus and that demand. And so we already have these things happening now uh, in a bubble or however the different organizations are deciding to go forward with their sports in the midst of this crisis and to have the NBA, to have the WNBA, the NHL, the MLS, MLB, you have tennis players and tournaments delaying and, and canceling stuff all in response to what is going on in the country in terms of police brutality. There's something to be said in that. Well, did, did the NHL, uh, did the NHL stop what they were doing? I thought they did. But it might not have. I, I might have been well, looking at. No, you're right. The NHL maybe did. maybe the, the NHL did. because one of the black one of the black players came out. One of the few black players came out. You could probably you might be able to field isn't the right word. Ice a team of like black players like one line, and that's probably it. Um, but one of the more uh, outspoken ones, and I can't remember, is Evander, Evander something. He came out and was bashing the NHL because he's like, it's incredibly insulting that you didn't even do, you didn't even think about stopping for a day. 
right. the, the, the games that are going on. So they did postpone um, today. Interesting. So they did postpone today. Um, that had to be after public backlash. That is, every yeah. time there is a delay in something like this, for teams, organizations, brands, when they don't meet, to me, when they don't immediately, and again, a lot of it's just so, like social uh, media and image protection, but when they don't do it immediately, the more time that passes, the less sincere and the less impact of what they're doing uh, there is, in my opinion. Yeah, and you're right. There's a lot, there's a lot to be said about the fact that it's more so brand protection um, and it's clearly the right thing to do to keep your consumer base uh, happy. But it's, it also says a lot to blatantly disregard that. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the NHL for the most part, um, the NHL probably feels like the viewer base isn't going to care right. or would actually be opposed to the protests that are going on. Um, NASCAR is the same thing. I mean, the NASCAR was, you know, endorsing the Confederate flag for God's sakes, uh, which isn't surprising at all. But right. I, I do know. like how they uh, came around. What was the name Bubba Wallace when when that whole incident went down? I, I do like how the whole sport kind of got behind him. Um, but again, it's one of those like we talked about this on the education episode. Yeah, doing the bare minimum is nice, but I think we've become way too comfortable with people doing the bare minimum and us reward them with doing the bare minimum because it's so rare and it being more of an issue than just being, Hey, yeah, good job for doing what you're supposed to do, but what else are you going to do? So like right now with the NBA, with, with all this stuff that's going on and, and these players canceling it, it, it really, my focus on which teams canceled and why they canceled and then what they're doing was was really um, focused. Yeah, y'all believe in the NFL playoffs cancellations feel like the kneeling first game of the season last year. Was do is that the NBA playoffs right now, or you mean NFL playoffs? Um, I haven't been paying attention to the actual NFL. The only thing I've seen uh, in the NFL are the uh, football teams that are. Yeah, definitely they do the bare minimum to save face. Uh, the the NFL teams have been doing a lot of canceling of practices i do have i try to keep this like not too much research heavy but i also do want to make sure that i get some facts straight when we are talking about these issues so the green bay uh because of where green bay is and the situation being very close to yeah nfl cancel practice they canceled mm -hmm. green bay canceled practice and held a meeting and said we all agreed that talks and discussions are simply not enough anymore and we need action. We are putting in plans to take action in our communities and together we believe we can make a real difference. We need action not only today, but in the days to come. So again, it's like, this is great if they do something and they actually live up to it. Um, I, I am actually more impressed in the, in the totality of all this with the NBA players and the NBA in general, and which looks like they potentially could just completely say, fuck the season. And well, they, they came out today and where the teams at least voted uh, to continue the playoffs. Um, but they did for one, you know, for that one night, uh, 
refused to play and right. boycotted and boycotted I, the games. I think so that even the possibility of if another event, God willing, it doesn't, but looking at America's track record, it's probably going to happen again. Um, there is now a threat level for the NBA that if something happens, the rest of the season could end. Right. And that the players have this much power over it. And why that is exactly, and why that is important is because how is how does this actually affect change? Well, why aren't like people will say why aren't these like black millionaires doing stuff in their hometowns and communities? For one, most of them are. Two, it shouldn't be their responsibility. Three, it's a problem within a police system and a and a structure in America. So there's a lot of intricate elements that it isn't their responsibility to take care of. However, what their boycotting and their power really relies on is the people that own these teams, the people that are in the position for these teams to make a lot more money for them. And once you start hurting their pockets and starting putting them into a position where, okay, let me talk to these higher ups and these are the areas in the rooms that could have changed. I'm not saying that this is a like, the white savior thing because the billionaires with money who happen to be mostly white are the ones that can get into the rooms and do it more. It's saying that, okay, as a black person who is in a position of celebrity and has this power in a league, because if I'm not the league, like this isn't going to be, you're not going to see like the replacements level type of shit happening where people are boycotting because they're mad at a contract. And now you have all these people coming in. It's going to be hard to fill these teams unless you, a lot of thoughts. Again, this is the unresearched part of my night, and this is the uh, passion kind of therapy session that I need to go through because th there's a lot to speak about on this issue. And I, I feel like we kind of get caught up in the same talking points we had with George Floyd, with Breonna Taylor, who, again, we're talking about arrest the cops. Yeah, which still hasn't happened, by the way. It's just, it's, I am stressed is pretty much the point of the, the night and where my current state of mind is because there's a lot of people that have other stuff going on in their lives and it just kind of, like I'm walking through Philly and it just kind of seems like another day to other people. And meanwhile, I am stuck here, like since this morning, since I've heard everything, you know, especially this morning getting prepared for this episode is like, this is what I'm, in like i spent some time to disconnect i watched lovecraft country on hbo I, I watched i missed the live but i watched the second episode yesterday and that was a great time and it was good to you know see that type of content and kind of disconnect from everything but but it's still it's still stressful no it's, it's still like what i have it's to think very about. stressful yeah it's very stressful um and you know you mentioned you know, us going back to these, reverting back to these same talking points. Well, I mean, that's kind of, that's the point though. It's why are we always coming back to these same talking points? I think, you know, everyone, one of the taglines of this is always, you know, when, when is it going to change or when is enough enough? And, you know, that question sometimes kind of, to me gets lost because the fact of the matter is that you're, you're asking for something of a system that wasn't meant to operate 
the way you want it to, the way you're asking it to, want this real change that needs to happen. You know, this system isn't built to do that. It was built to do what it's doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the issue here. It's this, it's the cycle. It's the circle. Um, as, as was said, you know, it's, it's all about the fact that these things continue to happen, but the people who can do something within the system aren't being affected enough to care to do really do anything about it. They'll stay, they'll put out the public statements, they'll donate to a school or charity or, or whatever, but you know, that's not changing the actual system at hand. There's, there's far more wholesale changes, systematic changes that need to happen for that question. You know, when is this going to stop to be fulfilled and be answered? Um, and it goes back to your point when you're talking about the NBA players, um, you know, yes, the, you know, the NBA is in a certain situation because them, the players in that league more than any other league, hold a lot more power. Um, there's far less of them than in any other league. Um, you know, there's 12 players on a team and there's what, 30, 30 NBA teams. So, you know, there's not a lot of players. Right. Star power is extremely important and influential. And it's not like football where the team is the brand. There aren't a lot of football players whose names are brands. Those players are legends forever. In basketball, though, you have the players of the brands. You have your legends, but there are people, there are players who aren't going to be remembered as the, the top, the greatest quarterback of all time, you know, in right. Tom Brady's case, or, you know, someone like LeBron. Uh, there are players like that in the NBA, of course, but even the second tier and third tier of that, of those players, the players that aren't going to be the best or top 10 or top five, they're still the brand. I mean, the teams really, teams really aren't brands in the NBA, except the Lakers and like the Knicks. And that's just based on history and the Celtics. You know what I mean? Like those are like historic teams. Um, but even even then, it's more about the players on those teams overall uh, that make them relevant even today. That's not really true in other sports. The Yankees are the brand. It doesn't matter who's playing for the team. The Yankees are the brand. You know what I mean? Uh, so in, in that sense, the players have a lot of power. Um, and, I, and, you know, they can – if they all walked out, I think this is why the NBA – would be a little more influential in that case. Well, the NBA is already better than the NFL organization is um, to its players. Yes. Uh, but, you I, know, I, I think it comes back to that individuality in so basketball. You brought up another point that I found was really interesting because you're talking about basketball and the players having such an impact and, you know, it's felt when a player does something. Whereas a lot of these other sports, that's not necessarily the case. And the one sport that we really haven't, like, looked into is tennis. And I think this is why what Naomi Osaka did was way bigger 
than almost anything else that happened. Because while you're a tennis player, you, like, yeah, the sport revolves around, you know, these players, like the Federers, the Serenas, the Djokovic's, right? Their name has a huge impact. And we talk about almost anybody as greatest of all times because of tennis being such an individual sport. But a particular player not being there and not showing up necessarily doesn't like yeah if someone gets injured and doesn't go to a tournament they're missed and it creates like this other like well what if but it's not like somebody not being there completely dismantles the sport so if Naomi Osaka deciding to come out and not play her like and not withdraw from the tournament and she's in the semifinals it, like okay, so the the player advances. They did postpone it for a little bit, but the player advances. Like it, it's not like the right. Whole it doesn't change. It doesn't stop the sport. Right. So it's much larger as a person for like to see someone like her. She was on the way of winning it all, but to, yeah. So see Osaka bow out in a tournament. She most likely would have won because I love her. She's amazing. Yeah, she um, she would have won. Yeah, and but to to see that that speaks more to character, especially at her age. And even, like, I, I have the statement down. Uh, hello, as many of you are aware, I was scheduled to play my semifinal match. However, before I am an athlete, I am a black woman. And as a black woman, I feel as though there are much more important matters at hand that need immediate attention rather than watching me play tennis. I don't expect anything drastic to happen with me not playing. But if I can get a conversation started in a majority white sport, I consider that continued genocide of black people. I might have missed some stuff. White sport, I consider that continued genocide of black people at the hand of the police is honestly making me sick to my stomach. I'm exhausted of having a new hashtag pop up every few days, and I'm extremely tired of having this same conversation over and over again. When will it ever be enough? Um, and that's a lot of kudos to her. Like, I, I had to give her a shout out on the show because... It's bold, especially in tennis. Again, it, it not it being a majority white sport and then to be so young and just be coming up into what will be an extraordinary career, that's a huge risk because she would potentially have to think about what's what does this happen in, in terms of sponsorships. You see people like Kaepernick get completely taken away out of the sport because of taking a stance like that and so boldly. So while we just like we watched uh, Maria Sharapova get completely like taken out of the game for years like this, right? It and that was on something that they could find an easy way to do because of yeah, technically what she did allowed that to happen. But I wouldn't put it past the powers that be to figure out a way if they wanted to to keep Osaka out for a considerable amount of time. So to have that type of conversation or have that thought in the back of your head that this can potentially happen and to say, regardless of what might happen, the ads that I could potentially, uh, the sponsorships I could potentially use and just to be like, I am so uh, strong in my beliefs and my convictions on this and this needs to be addressed. That's nuts. It is. uh, But, and at the same time, um, I think she understands it, it was brave because you're right. There could be some bullshit to happen for her coming out. But on the flip side of it, I think she understands her worth too. In the fact that yeah. 
y'all ain't y'all ain't doing shit because I am women's tennis right now. Like the future, Serena. Like and and that's where I think okay. that's where I think it okay. is because Sharapova and Serena were in that in the same generation, and Serena always. Uh, the whole narrative of that being a rivalry is hilarious to me it because Sharapova is, is, It yeah. was Sharapova, quote-unquote, was more marketable. We don't, right, have to go, be, yeah. we don't have to go further into that. Absolutely. Interview, but that was... The that was it, right there. That was the whole thing. If she, if she wasn't more marketable, she would, have, she would have been a footnote in that generation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the the fact of the matter is when she goes away, Serena is still so great that she dominates that generation, that sport in that generation and still keeps people coming back because you can, you can talk about marketability all you want in terms of ad dollars. But the fact of the matter is people are filling the arenas to watch Serena play tennis, the actual playing of it. They're there to see her play and dominate. Yes. Now we have Osaka coming up, and she's dominating, and she beats Serena, and she plays Serena much better than Sharapova does. Yep. So I think, I think Osaka knew her power as well in her position uh, to say, I'm going to take this stand, do something about it. You won't. Um, so I, would, I, I, think the, I think it's twofold in there. I would almost question, uh, not question, but I would almost even potentially reposition that as not much, as much of you won't, but I dare you. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Cause, exactly. Because I, I, I still believe there's a part of all of us that believe they will or they could. I, I think it is the do it and let's see how this happens. Like, let's see what, what – they're not, they're not going to, and this is, this is why very quickly, and it's, it all comes down it, – but it comes down to the dollars. It really does, and it comes back to what we were talking about with if you want to affect real change, the people in power's dollars need to be affected. Their pockets need to be affected. Well, it's the same thing here, I think. The fact is, Sharapova yet is back, and she's doing she's, – she's done pretty all right, I guess. But she's not touching Serena right now. Osaka is the only one who is. And as much as people fill the stadium to see Serena blow people, pull the doors off, you need the second person to challenge the person at top to keep things interesting. Mm-hmm. That's going to keep people coming back to the stadium because even, even though people will show up and fill the seats to see Serena play, they're really going to show up to see Osaka knock her off again. So they'll be at those matches. That's doubling the worth. So there's still money in Osaka being there. There wasn't money in Sharapova still being there. Even though she was more marketable at the time, I think tennis people knew the fact that Serena wasn't being challenged by her. Osaka could challenge her. So in that sense, I think people's the, the powers that be, their pockets – best interest is to keep Osaka around. So I think she understands that and she's taking that stand as well. She understands the fact that I have a position of power and I'm not going to be scared off by the illusion that I'm expendable. 
So she's putting her money where her mouth is there. Um, and I love it. I agree. I just that's all I, I have ever, to say about that. I won't ever put it past the powers that be to take a gamble on something like that. And I think that's, that's where I'm coming from more is she, Osaka has, has the potential to do all of these things, but because I, I, people with money have this like capability to take that risk, they might. Right. But I think the other issue, the other issue there is, um, and this is kind of a point with tennis as well, uh, because it's such an individual sport and there's so many individual players looking to get their livelihood because if you don't play well, you don't get a livelihood. There's no contracts here. You enter a tournament, you need to play. Uh, and like place really to a, at least unless you're really balling on the sponsorship, like like area. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, you need to play if you want to earn money and keep living. And you're moving all over the world constantly. That's expensive. So, if the top if the top ten left, there would still be everyone else coming up underneath who need a job to fill their place. Mm -hmm. Um it would kill the pockets, but in a pragmatic sense, the, the show will still go on. Whereas in the NBA, if all the players leave under contract, what's the NBA going to do right. at that point? And I think that speaks to Harry's point. Um, strikes are powerful because it does hurt the pockets yeah. of the people um, at the top. And that's also why unions are important too. Uh, for that same reason, because so what you're the unions are the you're people in, that are protecting the people. What you're saying is you're in favor of the police union. <sighs> Not the police union. God, no. I just had to bring it back. So we have about 20 minutes left. Um, is there anything in particular like that you would want to discuss or that has been weighing on you in, in all of this? Because... As, as I said, I kind of want these to be almost therapeutic in a way where we can, one, just at least get them, get stuff off of our chest because that's really important rather than internalizing a lot of this. Yeah, it's traumatic to have to constantly re relive it and to uh, talk about it in one, one sense, but to internalize it and not discuss about what we're really like going through, I think is also very detrimental. So I just wanted to give us both... Uh, that opportunity because I haven't had the like I haven't had the opportunity to have that conversation with you yet, and uh, I just want to discuss things. Have we talked about my dick move in VA Beach? Is this about the beer? Yeah, we're saving that. <laughs> we're saving that. For we're saving that for a lighter for a lighter time. Um, we we think we were going to talk about that, but. Uh, just in, just in lieu of uh, this discussion, uh, we're going to table that for another time. Uh, although, check out the podcast episode that'll come out. Yeah, uh, sweet. With that in it, we hope. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, it's it, you kind of. I will, I wouldn't say you get numb to it, but it's. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's like you see it again and it's just like your heart stinks and 
Oh yeah, that shit. I fucking forgot about that. So wait, comments don't pop up on the the replay of this, right? I don't think. Well, I I feel like some of them do, but not all of them. Okay, so we got to so, point this out. Yeah, point this out. So I forgot about this. Before Harry's dick move inside of this brewery, we were outside of the brewery looking at one of those like fold out chalk signs on the sidewalk. And this guy with a white hat just walks by. Um, and I didn't hear it. My girlfriend didn't hear it. But I guess Harry was coming, walking up, and he heard it. And after the fact, I guess it, like, registered in his mind that, oh, shit, this dude just called me and my girlfriend the N-word. And he was he was gone by the time that Harry mentioned it, and we looked up, and I was oof, man, I was steaming. Oh man, I was pissed off, so I went in and got a flight to to cool to cool down. Yeah, because uh, the flight gets high I, in altitude, and you get, yeah, I I com I commend Harry for not telling me in the moment or Alyssa because. With all this bullshit going on, man, like some shit like that. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? I was like, oh, we're going down to Virginia. All right. That's technically the South. Let's see how this goes. Oh, we're in a touristy area. You know, a lot of people from different places. I was in in the back of my head. I'm like, I bet you some bullshit, some racist bullshit is going to happen at least one time on this trip. I'm just kind of thankful that it didn't happen in my face because... I'm actually happy that I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, because I might not be sitting here right now. I might be coming live from Virginia Beach uh, court Courthouse or something. Exactly. Um, that's wild. Definitely want to talk to you more about that because that is nuts. But Yeah, um, maybe... Black Maybe we can unpack on the uh, po full podcast episode about that. And we'll try to keep it under two hours this time. Um, do you think the Black Bear experience sent this question? Do you think that the 17 year old's mom should be charged as an accomplice? Mm. So I don't know the full backstory there with uh, with the mom. Was, was she the one who gave him the weapon? Because I know the weapon wasn't his. And obviously he's 17 years old. Um, that weapon wasn't legally his, which is another, which is another piece of bullshit. Because I immediately go back to Philandro Cast, uh, Philandro Castile, or Castro. Okay, so she drove. Oh, oh, hold up. Yeah. Oh, after the fact? Yeah, no, no, she's aiding and abetting. Uh, no, no, I think she drove him. Wait, wait. She well, they said. Well, she drove both ways. Yeah. Regardless. Well, no, no, no. Because was in the car. Yeah, well, yeah, because I know I don't know if he's from the area, but I know he he left to Tennessee afterwards or some bullshit like that after he murdered two people. So she's the one who drove his ass. She drove him there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see that that right there. No, she should definitely be charged. 
And she drove him home. Yeah, no, no, bullshit. No, she should be charged. She should be charged with, uh, uh, she gets, she should get the same crime, right? Uh, whatever it's called conspiracy or whatever, whatever the, uh, whatever the charge is, because I think you end up getting the same as the person who actually did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, no, I completely agree with that. I think she should. Cause fuck her. You reading up on it? I'm unfortunately watching the video. Um, I've also read some reports that that the cops are actually like cheering this dude on and oh thanks for the support as he's walking by them. Yeah, some people are saying like, well, he killed white people, so it can't be like, how are you gonna call this guy racist? Like racist, he killed white people. And it's just like yeah. the 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 commitment to no. killing there. No, no, because you because it didn't matter who he was killing at that point in terms of race. The fact is, he was there to kill protesters who were protesting the police. Police the attempted murder, the attempt, poli- fuck, oh, no, fuck that word brutality. That's so, that's such a soft word. That's right. attempted murder. Maybe we need F- to have fuck a, all that. We need to have a, he just happened to kill white people. Exactly. He just happened to kill white people. Wasn't that right? We need a full episode on the word choices behind all of this. I want to do like, because one, we got to talk about coverage of these people and how people are covered. Mm-hmm. They weren't really trying mm-hmm. to dig up this guy's past. They weren't trying to picture this guy as a bad guy after, you know, he murdered people. They are trying to justify why he is a good person. This is like the Rudolph thing where it's just like, let's take him to fucking Burger King to get some food on the way. So I would love to do a full episode with you. Uh, if you guys have input, if you guys want to talk as well you we could also do something where before we do it we'll reach out to everybody and yeah they showed him cleaning up graffiti look at this guy uh but we want to get your input and we want you guys to have more of a voice on our platform as well so we gotta we gotta start connecting on that a lot more and we'll reach out to a lot of you individually um but i think we should do a full episode i'm grabbing a beer uh we should do a full episode on word choice on how things are presented in the news and what news platforms are you saying what versus the other right because um, we've, we've touched on that briefly with the way that they cover white and black protesting slash riots right or survival in the way that they after, like, right. Uh, right or how they you know how they categorize um how they categorize white people literally burning shit down to those those good old boys just being boys, you know. They were a little rowdy. And then they they're a little rowdy, you know. I'm also grabbing a beer. I like your point too. And Jalen Brown, uh, he's from the Celtics, right? Yeah, Jalen Brown off the number- Celtics. Great person. Fuck him as a basketball player. Right. But uh, number seven, right? Number seven, and he said, and he said that in his. Uh, was it a post game? Yeah. Where he said that, and he's like, you know, every time I look at that jersey now, seven on my back, all I can think of is being shot in the back seven times. Mm-hmm. 
I, I would like to read some other stuff too that he had said just because I, I think it's very poignant. Yeah, he's been very outspoken. Yeah, and so he was like, the question I would like to ask is, does America think that black people are uncivilized, savages, and naturally unjust? Or are we products of the environment we participate in? That's the question I would like to ask America. And America has proven its answer over and over and over again. Are we not human beings? Is Jacob Blake not a human being? Because every time I look at my jersey now, what I see is a black man being shot seven times. All America sees is his background report. It's easier to see that than it is to see the truth. Oh, no. And to, to Blackbeard Experience's point, yes. no, walking with an AR-15 is aggressive. If you're black, if you're white, you're, you're expressing your Second Amendment right and you're a patriot. But if you're black, you're being aggressive and you're being um, adversarial, dangerous, all, all, you know, all of those words. Well, and it's uh, another, another episode that we are going to have in the in future is about the view of gangs in general in terms of is it the Irish mob, is it the mafia? Or is it the Crips and Bloods? You know, is it Frank Lucas? Like, uh, how are these people glamorized in, in some ways and then demonized in others, depending on certain distinctions? You know, so I really want to have that conversation because I think that's really important. But it's like, it's just the way America is built up to see a man, like a white man with an AR-15, like, well, that's normal. But if a black man was to have AR-15, well, he has to be up to no good. Therefore, he is a threat. And that is exactly the process that goes through people's minds because of X, Y, and Z that has been portrayed. Well, Ty well Tyler, Tyler, I mean, clearly that's right because the Constitution said that, you know, you have the right to bear arms. All, all men have the right to bear arms. Unless you're all white men... Have the right to bear arms, yeah. because the Constitution wasn't talking about slaves, like at all, like suspiciously little about slaves and slavery. So clearly, they were talking. They, well, they, not even it, white men. It was white landowning men. It's kind of weird how they pussyfooted around a lot of issues in that document without outrightly saying some things that you know they were thinking. Absolutely. And that kind of that speaks to the point of that speaks to the point of, you know, if you're if you're not outwardly against something, if you're not outwardly against something that's morally um, incorrect, then you are just as guilty as the person who's being morally incorrect. Exactly. You're complicit to the crime. It's the same issue with what we were just talking about with uh, old boy AR-15's mom. I believe she is just as guilty as he is because she, you know, it's going to, she's going to say, well, I didn't know why she, I thought he wanted to go there because it was some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of get together with his friends, you know, some bullshit like that. She's going to say, I didn't know that why he was taking an AR-15 to a protest. Bullshit. You knew what was going to happen. And then after it happened, you helped him escape. So you were just as guilty as he is. Willful ignorance. And you should... Exactly. Willful. Willful ignorance is the worst. And that's why... 
that's why the system stays the way it is. It's people too often turning a blind eye. It, it goes back to me for the Green Bay Packers statement. Like, the Green Bay Packers have been here through all of this. So, again, this comes back to my thank you for finally doing something. Like, this is nice. But where was this before? Right. It, and my my – I would – I'm more concerned with, okay, you said it. Now do it. Yeah, I'm suspicious. Yeah, now do it. Because yeah. if you do it, I'm like, okay, you were fucking up before, but now you're on board. Right. At least we have that. Right. But to your point, I'm suspicious of what the do it is going to be because of what you said. Right. And I think that's – bring that same energy always. Always. And that's what I don't get consistently enough from people is – how how are you showing up to the table? Like, and I even have that conversation between you and I often about are we doing enough? Like, do we speak out enough about any of this stuff? And I've had people help me to like remind myself that we're having these conversations and we're putting this out there and we're we're trying to make waves within the black beer community, which by doing so does ripple out to these different areas because we are addressing this and we're talking about, you know, these are why there's barriers of entries because of this, this, and this, and like craft beer being a red flag for gentrification and how does this change? How do we do these things differently? So, um, exactly. Yeah. And it's tough because we're very critical of a lot of these organizations that one have a lot more power than we do. But I think we do approach a lot of this with that same energy, always, thank you, Harry, um, on ourselves is how can we stay consistent? How can we constantly improve? And in what ways can we um, remain, keep people that have those true power, has that true power, how can we hold them accountable? Right, definitely. Um... And once again, as always, the reason that we're fighting for more diversity and more black people in craft beer is because the reason there isn't that diversity in craft beer has everything to do with the systematic oppression of a people um, and the state of society in America as little to do with the actual beer community itself and more to do with all the other surrounding factors mm -hmm. that contribute to inequality. That's why it's just another piece of an unequal system. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the frustration and a lot of the reason there is this pushback and why isn't it just so easy to see what we're seeing? You know, I, I saw this, uh, and I think I sent this to you. We definitely need to have a, a topic about this. It's Lupe Fiasco had posted this uh, professor who was talking about the soft apartheid. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of put into context, like, soft Chris? You are, can you hear me? All right, try that again. All right, we're... we're uh, College professor soft talking about yeah, the, soft apartheid slash soft Jim Crow slash soft black. Like 
he said soft apartheid is what he's calling it, but you can push that to any of these, any of these um, actual legislation that segregated people and oppressed a minority. Just soft that because it's it's his study of how you know now that these uh, actual laws are gone, it doesn't mean that we're post-racial because you have racial biases and you have all and you have power inequality and all of these things. And he talks about how you can easily segregate a neighborhood just off of slight racial bias. Um, and I think it's very interesting, and I think we should have a full topic about that because, to me, I think that uh, that put into words what I've been trying to articulate a lot with why it's so difficult now to get people who aren't affected by this to see why it's an issue because it's not it's so intrinsic in our society and it is not um, concrete. There's no words to say, this is what you shall do. There's no order. There's no law. If it's not in their face, if there's not a word behind it, if there's not a law that outrightly makes it clear that this is what's going on, if there are uh, no uh, whites only or colored section things hanging, it must not exist, right? That's kind of like the, the, the principle behind this, that, well, I don't see... Any right, we did that. Right. I don't see any of this. It must mean we're post-racial. It must mean that this isn't happening. By the way, I really know nobody, like, don't know anybody who is affected and is saying it's affected. So it can't be real. Because I don't and, know anybody. I'm in my bubble. And the extra buffer to that is I'm not going to try because deep down inside I have toxic guilt that stops me from ever admitting that my, my family and my ancestors or myself are benefiting off of what my family and my ancestors did to these other people. Or so, we're complicit in allowing to happen. Because you mm -hmm. can say, well, my family, we have two minutes left. We didn't own slaves, we weren't a part of this. Like that was that video of like, we didn't own slaves. Do you know how expensive a black person was back that whole right. video is just wild but um or even uh related. yeah or even the quickly the i was watching that office episode with andy where he, they they made up that his uh family owned slaves and like the way he tried to like distance himself from that is like textbook you know on its face what we're talking about there you know trying to rationalize it, trying to say, oh, well, that's in the past kind of thing. It's not me. I'm not benefiting off of it, clearly. So. Vote Andy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I have to get rid of all this stuff. What was me? Um, yeah, I think that, that comes down to the, the reality of things. It's not, I always say it's, it's about not being able to think more critically about the situation you're in, whether that's why am I in this bad situation or why am I, why do I hold this level of privilege? And we talk about it often. We all have a level of privilege. It is we do. Privilege is what kind of allows you to get ahead. But the like redistribution of the privilege or how that privilege is, the inequality of how that privilege got distribu uh, distributed in the first place is kind of the whole point of everything. And we, we look at this word privilege as 
this overtly bad thing. And I think until we get a better understanding of where it all comes from, we'll be able to be more critical and actually make progress. We have 10 seconds left. I just want to thank everybody so much. Uh, we probably left a lot of stuff on the table, but until next time, peace. peace.